This podcast is produced by Sunnydale Studios. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. We were having sexual intercourse. The queefing happened. It happened. It was loud. It was robust. When I've had the squirties, there's, it's explosive. I couldn't flush a poo once at a guy's house. That is so unladylike. Welcome back, everybody. This is the final episode of season one, and we can reflect on the amazing guests and topics we've discussed. I first conceived the idea of So Unladylike after trying to decide whether to record a fourth season of the Journey to Worthy podcast. And Journey to Worthy has evolved so much. And whilst I love the original podcast and will absolutely return to shining a light on women overcoming adversity, I felt it needed to add another layer. You know, something that reflected the evolution of Journey to Worthy and so unladylike was born. And I wanted a podcast where guests were more co-hosts so we could chat and, you know, The feedback I got from you guys is that you felt like you were sitting here with us, you were laughing along, nodding along um, and agreeing and feeling seen with everything we were talking about and that's exactly what So Unladylike is supposed to do. So thank you for that feedback and I wanted to create a place where we could discuss all these things with no judgment and boy have we done that. Vaginas, fat ones, dry ones, sweaty ones, squirty ones, dick pics, shitting into handbags, weeing into baby nappies, threesomes, sexuality, disability advocacy, masturbation. We've had burping, farting, and so much swearing on air. It's been so unladylike and we've only just begun. Season two with Sunnydale Studios is already in the works. So if you loved season one, I would buckle in because season two is going to blow your panties off. So today um, I'm all on my lonesome. I've got no friends. So much like my life. No, no, not really. (laughs) Um, We wanted to end the season with a little bit of a solo episode. So since Someone Lady Like first aired, my DMs have been full of questions and they come in thick and fast. So we thought we might do a bit of a QA and a session and even share some of your Someone Lady Like moments. So we have the segment Someone Lady Like where we ask our guests what their most unladylike moment was. And this past couple of days we had on our Instagram question box, we were asking you what your most unladylike moment was. And uh, let's let's throw to those. Let's start with mine first, actually, because I don't think I don't think I've shared any. Have I? I mean, most of my life's been unladylike and most of the things I talk about are unladylike, but um, specifically unladylike moments. I don't think I've shared any of my most unladylike ones. Um, look, in, most of them seem to involve poo and wee and I've, I've had my share of those as well. Quite often peeing in people's front yards. I'm sorry about that dead patch of grass. Um, I couldn't help it. I had a urinary tract infection. I had to go. Um, I've done that numerous times. I have wet my pants twice as a teenager. Um, you tie your jump around your waist. No one will know, right? That's, that's the theory I had anyway, but I would have to say that for me, my most embarrassing moment and most unladylike moment was probably not long after Dwayne and I had got together and, um, (laughs) I'm cringing even just thinking about saying it out loud. Oh my gosh. Um, So, yeah, we were having sexual intercourse and um, the queefing happened. It happened. It was loud. It was robust. 
And I was so embarrassed. I just immediately was like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And it wouldn't stop. It would not stop. The more I moved, the more I tried to make it stop, it just kept coming out and coming out and coming out. And we ended up, that sex ended. We just ended up in hysterics, rolling around, laughing. Um, and even as I was laughing, I was still fanny farting. <laughs> Why? Why? Why am I admitting this? Um, but yes, that I'm red. I'm red. It still makes me um, embarrassed. But now, fast forward 22 years later, I'll do them on purpose to make him laugh. So, okay. So our first unladylike confession states, I once shit into a Gatorade bottle. Now, <laughs> I, I, I needed more context. I needed to know why. Why? What, why a Gatorade bottle? Why couldn't you use a toilet? Why not just a bush? What happened? So um, this lovely listener shared that they'd had a big night. They were out photographing a wedding um, and the tummy just started gurgling. So they said that they were going back to their car to get some equipment and diaried into a Gatorade bottle. And um, I, I, I understand when you've got to go, you've got to go. I just, I can't help but think about the aim though. When I've had the squirties, I are not the fun ones from your vagina, the squirties from your bot. bot. Um, there's, it's explosive. It's explosive diarrhea. Like how do you aim for – they have quite a big mouth to them, the Gatorade bottles though, don't they? I guess there's more scope for – yeah, what a messy, messy – did you put the lid back on? I have so many more questions for you. I just – yeah, anyway, thank you. I appreciate that one. All right, we've got another one that doesn't involve poo and wee. I know, random. When I was in my early 20s, I went to see a male review show and was picked to go on stage for part of the show. One of the strippers was so good looking. We met after the show and he came home with me. The next day, I woke up absolutely covered in his deep brown sparkly spray tan all over my face and body and I had to throw my sheets in the bin. Hashtag worth it. Oh my gosh. Do you know what? I I think that's fantastic. I can relate to that, not in the um, sleeping with a sexy stripper, but that I have fake tanned my baby. Um, breastfeeding, she woke up with half her face tanned all around her mouth, tanned and one little hand um, from, yeah. So I imagine that you woke up the same and I love that it was on your face. <laughs> I think we know what that means. <laughs> okay, we have another wee wee one. I made my friend pull over in peak hour traffic on the Gold Coast Highway. So if you don't, if you don't live in Queensland, the Gold Coast Highway is busy. It's, it's crazy busy. Um, so that is not a private place. I was drunk and took a whiz right on the side of the road in front of loads of people and with no shame. Look, good for you. You've, as I as said again, I am an advocate for, I should start a petition. I think we need port in random places on highways and freeways because this is a common thread. We shouldn't have to wee in nappies or shit in handbags um, or um, diarrhea into Gatorade bottles. There should be more toilets available. Let's think of a hashtag for that and let's start a petition. Um, here we go, another, another poo one. I couldn't flush a poo once at a guy's house. <laughs> This is the why, this is why we don't poo when we first meet someone. Um, so I put it in a bag and threw it out the window. He lived in an apartment block. <laughs> Can you imagine if your window was open and there's just a shit in a bag that comes flying through the window? Like how would you react to that? Shit in a bag. <laughs> oh my gosh. So she 
how did you get it out? Did you race to the kitchen and get out a sieve? Did you like a, a colander? Were you like, let me just, you know, drain out the poo and put it before I put it in the bag? Did you fish it out with your hands? I Again, I need more information. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Going back to the wee one in um, my eldest daughter, her friend was drunk in the backseat of her car and needed to wee. Um, so she handed her a bottle and she stood up in the backseat of the car and weed into a water bottle um, and mist and weed all over the car. So that's lovely. Proud mum moment right there. Look, my daughter was the sober driver, so I am proud. Guys, you haven't disappointed. You are so unladylike and I love it. What a bunch of fucking unladylike bitches. I love you. Um, Let's move on to the ask me anything questions and I guess our, oh my God, you can't ask that question because there's a few and you guys, this this was an anonymous link. So we don't know who asked these questions um, and I guess you felt a little safe, didn't you? Didn't you feel a little bit safe hiding behind that? Let me get to it, shall I? Let's see what you want to ask first. Um, well, I want to want to have a bit of a laugh first because one question that came through was, "I know what you did," and I was <laughs> I just started laughing. I, I know, well, everyone knows what I did. I'm I'm not exactly a closed book here. Um, I'm pretty open about my entire life, private parts included. So I'm not sure. I haven't killed anyone, so it's not like the movie I Know What You Did Last Summer. I haven't killed anyone and hidden a body. Um, But if you want to inbox me and uh, please let me know what you're privy to that I'm not, that would be fabulous. All right, we've got a question. Your opinion on the Depp versus Heard trial? Uh, I've kind of avoided talking about it um, or sharing too much about it because it was so taxing and so upsetting for me to see all the memes and the TikToks and the jokes that were being made regarding such a serious issue. The fact that this trial was the first sexual assault case ever to be videoed um, and the fact that those videos were live streamed and then able to be turned uh, background music placed behind them to make Amber seem silly and, you know, Johnny seem funny was just, it was, it was sickening to me. Um, I will always stand by believe women, believe women always, first and foremost, believe women. Um, I think if, if you've been a victim or you know a victim, which most of us do, you know that we often keep silent, that we aren't believed. And as a fellow woman, we must believe women always. Um, my other thing that has really upset me is that the Me Too movement, which, you know, was a social movement against sexual harassment and abuse and the rape culture that exists has been co-opted by men and manipulated now into something completely different, much like the body positivity movement was co-opted um, and it's been catastrophic to the movement and completely taken away all that it was meant for. What, I, what I've struggled with a lot is seeing women so quick to not believe Amber Heard and very quickly believe Johnny Depp because they like his movies, they like, he seems nice, so um, we must believe him, which is many people, um, myself included, who have been a victim of abuse, my abuser was believed and I was not as well because he was the funny sporty guy. Everyone loved him. He had so many friends. I didn't. Um, It's very often the case. Look at the case of Ted Bundy. He was well loved within the community. You would never have known he was a serial killer. You can't determine whether someone is abusive based on whether they're a good actor or whether you like their personality or not. 
Um, and Depp, if you look past his movies and into his history, he's a classic misogynist um, with a long list of friends, in inverted commas, who were known um, or alleged abusers, in- including Harvey Weinstein, who he defended he defended Harvey Weinstein by saying that he basically wouldn't cheat on his wife and rape other women because Weinstein's wife wasn't some, quote, hairy-backed cow, uh, which just is – it drives me crazy because so many men um, have that view that only a certain type of woman is – worthy of being raped or sexually assaulted and that's dependent on how she looks which is just disgusting um he has referred to her in text messages as a filthy whore and worthless hooker and even mentioned smacking her around in another text and one text was so horrific he made jokes about burning her to death and then fucking her dead corpse to make sure she was really dead this was all revealed in court keeping in mind that he had been found guilty of 12 out of 14 instances of abuse where it was decided that the abuse was probable. I could go on and on and just because you like his acting and he was charismatic in court, it doesn't mean that you have to instantly believe him and also people saying that Heard didn't act like an abuse victim. Did Depp act like an abuse victim? If you're saying that he was or your belief is that he was abused, was his response that of an abused victim, laughing in court, making jokes. Um, you know, I, I, as an abuse victim, I resonated with Heard's reaction a lot. People were saying, oh, apparently she was beaten up the day before and now she's going to a festival. Yes, we carried on with our life as though it didn't occur. For me, um, I would cover my bruises and I would carry on. I would go to family events and I would snuggle up to him and hold his arm and try and make it appear as though everything was okay because internally I still believed that part of it was my fault. Um, So yeah, I, I again could go on and on and on about this for so long but the damage that this has caused for women is huge and the instant belief of Depp and vilification of her by other women was so deeply unsettling and un, uh, unacceptable, I feel. Um, it's really hard to have people from your own, your own home, you know, defending a misogynist alleged abuser straight up. So that's, yeah. Um, an example of that I've seen TikToks doing the round with quirky music behind them as Heard describes uh, an abusive incident that occurred where she was kicked to the ground, allegedly kicked to the ground. She remembered and she describes feeling his boot in her back and the colour of the carpet and jokes and memes were made about this, that why is she describing the carpet? Why is she describing this? Why is she describing that? This is not an abuse victim. She's setting the scene. She's making it all up in her head. As someone who has been abused, one of my first core memories as a little girl is being abused in front of my family by my abuser and no one knowing it was happening and I can tell you what his hands felt like. I can tell you what colour the wallpaper was. It was gold and it was the, the pattern it had. I can tell you where I was standing in the hallway in front of the door that leads into the other hallway, where my parents were standing at my front door. My nan was beside me. My brother was beside her. I would have been eight or under and I can remember every detail. I remember the colour of the brick that my ex-boyfriend put a knife in the mortar of. Um, 
I can remember the color of his carpet and the smell and the feel of the concrete on my back through the carpet when I was kicked out of bed and lay there naked all night long after he'd raped me and strangled me. You do remember these details because it is a highly traumatic event. It's almost like it happens in slow motion and you've hyper fixated on these other details. Um, So to see people making jokes of her testimony was so upsetting to me and I would quite often go through the comments and people, you know, again, joking about how she wouldn't react like this if she was a real abuse victim and other women sharing their abuse um, reactive stories and saying that's not how I reacted. Just a reminder that you don't owe anyone a palatable reaction to your abuse. You don't owe people a socially acceptable way to respond to your abuse. You, Everyone responds differently. Everyone remembers differently. There is no one way to act after being abused. And I, I think that was one of the most disgusting things to come out of that trial. And again, if you're going to be responding to this, what wasn't true, she made it up. In order for you to believe that she made it up, you would have to believe that she faked all of her bruises uh, with makeup, all of them, um, and that she didn't take photos of all of them though. So she faked all of them, but only took photos of some. Um, that she faked needing a restraining order and that she also had a group of co-conspirators around her to go along with the narrative. So she would have had to have talked to them about exactly this fake story of the abuse that happened and get them to agree that it happened and lie in court of no benefit to her, of no benefit to the people who are backing her story. There's absolutely no benefit to her whatsoever. Um, You would... (laughs) If you believe, and you would have to believe that she did this for years, by the way. This was not just, you know, she has talked about this for years. So she's been taking fake photos for years, pulled out her own hair perhaps, and made up all these stories, which she remembers with immense detail because I firmly believe that they're true and that the reason she remembers them so clearly is because they're true. Uh, If you are going to say that she wanted money, if you know her that, the history of the divorce, she settled for less than she deserved and, um, or, sorry, not deserved, less than she was legally entitled to. And allegations of abuse don't entitle you to more money in divorce. They don't entitle you to anything. She didn't mention, this all came about because of an article that was published um, where she shared stories of her abuse, but she didn't mention Johnny Depp's name. And then that's where the defamation case came from. So I think there's so many layers to this. None of it's funny. None of it is meme worthy. None of it is joke worthy. And the amount of people that I have seen posting about domestic violence in defense of men, uh, saying that men get abused too, who have never ever, and this is women, who have never ever once posted about shared or taken part in any activism around gendered violence against women, is shocking to me that that internalized misogyny is, oh my gosh, it's happening to a man. I'm going to stand up and be the pick me girl that says this can happen to men too and do nothing, do nothing to stop women getting abused and end gendered violence or advocate for women or raise awareness around this issue. And yeah, it made the whole thing very loud and people made jokes about what am I going to watch on TV now? What am I going to watch on Netflix now that this has ended? This wasn't entertaining. This shouldn't have been videoed. And for those that streamed in and found it entertaining, um, I highly recommend doing some self-work because you shouldn't find that sort of thing entertaining. 
All right, moving on. Lightening it up with favorite sex position. <laughs> okay. I I like all sex positions. I I like sex. Um Hubby and I have a favourite, which is on the side. Um, we do like that one. I I don't know if my clitoris is angled one way, but I do get more pleasure on one side than the other. So um, he knows what to do. He's great. So that's my favourite. I would say his favourite would be me on top. I'm not a fan of that. I get sore thighs and, you know, I don't have great strong quads, so I get a little tired. Um, but, yeah, I like them all. I do like doggy as well. I don't like doing it in water. Um Water is not a lubricant and it is, there's no, it's not fun. It's not good. You need your natural lubricant and water washes that away. It's also very unhygienic. Don't recommend. One star. Oh, something you wish you could tell your younger self. Oh, I'm not a crier, so I won't cry. But I would say to my younger self, you are going to survive uh, your worth is not based on what's happened, what is happening or what is going to happen to you. You deserve love and good people in your life. It's not your fault. It was never your fault. And also people not liking you is not your problem and you don't have to prove your worth to people. You don't like people. They don't like you. It's okay. Get over that. Get over that people-pleasing attitude. It's okay that people don't like you. But most important thing, you're going to make it through this. If I could go back to 15-year-old me who didn't believe she would make it to 16, I, I would say that. Back to sex. What do you think about fetishes? Do you have one? Um, kinks and fetishes are personal and I'm not a kink shamer at all. Whatever you want to do, go for it. So long as no one's being hurt, you're not doing anything um, to take advantage of anybody. Yes, like, yeah, as long as no one's being hurt, you do you. I have, it's funny, I have such great sex with Dwayne that I don't really have any, oh, I mean, we've done some crazy shit. Like we've had threesomes, uh, sex in the Woolies parking lot, like full light, sex in the Woolies parking lot, didn't care, didn't care. Kind of kind of hoped that someone was watching, maybe that's a kink. Um, we've done it on a tennis court, won't say whose house that was, but we've done it on a tennis court. If they're listening, it was your tennis court. Um and we've also done illegal but mutually satisfying things to each other while driving. So if a cop had driven past, I don't know, maybe they would have just let us go and said, go, guys, get your rocks off. So we do, yeah, no no particular, we don't have a sex swing. We don't have a gimp mask or anything like that. Yeah, we just, we do have really good sex. We're open to try anything. We're very communicative with each other. Um, yeah, but nothing, nothing super gratuitous. Sorry. Do you think people are too woke these days? Like, is it making people less resilient? Well, I mean, to be woke is to be aware of social injustices, isn't it? And actively fighting against them. Like, imagine saying you're too woke, like stop fighting against racism. I think the people that have an issue with wokeness the most would be those who are not affected by the injustices that we're being awakened to. Um, I heard someone say once that reality TV is trying too hard to be woke. And what I hear when people say that is that they see the representation of minority groups on TV as a bad thing. Like, again, the people saying this are most likely cisgendered, white, able-bodied, heterosexual. Does it make people less resilient? Certainly. <sighs> 
It certainly doesn't make the minority and oppressed groups less resilient. Um, considering the amount of trauma most of us have and are dealing with, I don't think resilience is all it's cracked up to be. And I think it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, it builds resilience in kids, smacking them or leaving them to cry it out. Or And I know everyone's going to have different opinions on this and that's okay. Your opinion's your opinion. But I don't think, I think resilience is used as a, as a tool when we do things that we perhaps know are unjust or not okay and we say it's resilience building. Um, I think standing up for injustice and racism and being woke is a good thing and the people who are uncomfortable are uncomfortable because maybe they're racist, maybe they do unjust things and I think if you're uncomfortable with it and uncomfortable with the things that people are talking about that don't affect you, that you need to listen and, um, yeah, be grateful that they don't affect you but see how you can perhaps help them not happen to other people. Oh, this one. <clears throat> okay. When you disagree with someone, why do you say it's internalized misogyny? Couldn't it be that they just disagree? This one's interesting because I feel that this is more specific than the writer has. There's no more context here. This is really specific. Specific. I did a Kath and Kim. That's very. What does that specifically entail? It's very specific. The reason I say that is that I don't actually think I do talk about internalized misogyny, misogyny that much. Like if you look at my Instagram, I mean, there's no post dedicated to it. In comment threads and things like that, where I might mention that something stems from internalized misogyny, but it's not the main narrative of my page at all. It's not something that I do talk about a lot. Maybe with my friends. Are you my friend? What if I like... What is this referring to? I feel like it's something really specific. I have an idea who who might have who might have um, sent this question in, but we'll we'll see. But like, I certainly don't respond to a differing of opinion with well, that's internal internalized misogyny. Because what if the difference of opinion is that you like steak and I like chicken? What I'm going to say because you like steak that's internalized misogyny. No, I, I don't respond that way. So again, that's why I feel it's, this is in response to something quite specific. We all have internalized misogyny and, and we subconsciously project that sexism onto ourselves and onto other women. Um, but the, yeah, I still feel that it's quite specific. So uh, the reason what it was uh, pertaining to isn't written. So I will just answer this. Can I disagree with someone and it not be internalized misogyny? Absolutely. Happens all the time. Love a good verbal spa and difference of opinion, unless it is relative to misogyny, I wouldn't say that it's internalized misogyny. Why would I say it's internalized misogyny? It, I, it's an odd question. But yeah, I think it needs more context. And to the writer, if you um, want to get more specific with that and talk about, you know, perhaps uh, the example. I, I feel like you've got a specific example of when I have referred to something as internalized misogyny that may have been a difference of opinion. Um, yeah, that I would love to know because I'm not sure what it is. It could be, it could be the thing, the person I'm thinking of, it could be in relation to the de uh, Depp and her trial where I did call someone out for internalized misogyny. And they did respond with not everything is internalized misogyny. 
But when you are literally saying he is such a likable guy, I just can't help but love him and she is such a turd, like just the way she acts and the way she talks about the abuse, ugh, ugh, it's just crap. He's so lovable. Love him. Um, in that specific incident, I did say, yes, that is such internalised misogyny because it's, yeah, it's just projecting that idea again that uh, women who speak out are just ugh, annoying, like, oh, don't do it annoying and he's so charismatic it couldn't possibly be true so yeah if it calls for it I'll call it out but no if you like chicken and I like steak it's not internalized misogyny we can have a difference of opinion um the next question just simply states jail story (laughs) now this I had a lot of dms about this because I just I've just been dropping little bombs during the episodes um little hints at my past and um I guess the jail story so when I was Without going into my entire story, when I was 15, I was in an abusive relationship and my parents weren't sure what to do. So they they kept calling human services. And in the end, I ended up being placed with human services and removed from my parents' care willingly by my parents. They handed over their rights to the state. So I was a ward of the state and I was what um, was referred to as a hacks kid. That's what people who lived with their parents called us, hacks kids. And um, I lived in a group home with other Hacks kids. And when I was 15, my ex, abusive ex, was threatening to kill me, was standing outside my window of a nighttime under the streetlight like a horror movie, um, used to call the public phone that we had in the hallway. That's the only way we could make phone calls was a public phone. For you youngins listening, that's a, that's a phone that you would have to insert money to, to dial. Um, it had no screen either, would you believe? It had an earpiece and buttons. And um, he would call on that and, yeah, he sent me threatening things in the mail. I had um, pornography that had decapitated heads and things sent to me in the mail um, by him as well. And I could not see myself living beyond the age of 16. I couldn't see myself driving or having children. And that's why my note to my younger self would be, you're going to survive. Like you you don't need to run away. You're going to survive. But I did run away because I was scared. I was scared I was going to be murdered and I ran away. And my punishment for that was when, um, when I came back, the police picked me up and took me to lock up. So it's like a juvenile detention. Um, I was strip searched when I arrived. I um, had lice treatment done to my um, head. They treat everyone for lice when you arrive. And then I was placed in the observation room for the night, which is a glass walled room with beds in it where the staff can monitor you and watch you. Now, I was terrified of this place because being in the system, I knew lots of people who had been to this lockup and were beaten up and threatened to be beaten up or beaten up when they got out of there. Very much like the prison movies you see, but young girls. And so I was terrified of, I've been abused my whole life and I was terrified of being abused in there as well. And when I came out of the observation room in the morning, I was met by a bunch of angry girls who said they were going to smash me. We're going to beat you up. I remember ringing my mum, my mum of all people who I obviously still felt a lifeline to, rang her, begging her to let me get out, that they were going to beat me up. And that's when I found out that she had no pool. I didn't I didn't know until a lot later that I was a ward of the state. I thought my parents still had their parental rights, but they didn't. And um, she said there's absolutely nothing she could do. It was completely out of her control. So I had to face it. And it's a weird moment to feel brave, but it was one of the bravest moments of 
my life, I feel, walking down those stairs out of that office into that room of angry girls who were threatening to beat me up. Um, One of them wanted to beat me up because she'd heard that I'd had sex with her boyfriend. For the record, I'd been raped in um, a bathroom by her boyfriend, but that was the narrative that was shared. So yes, I was going to be punished for that. Um, And I just ended up saying, just do it just do it. I don't, I don't care anymore. I, I just don't care. I ran away because I thought I was going to be killed. Maybe you girls are going to do it. I don't care. Just do it. And they didn't. And they didn't. And we actually became friends while we were in there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, an experience. I was in there over Christmas and New Year's and I still struggle with New Year's. Um, I can celebrate it with my husband and my kids and we watch fireworks and things like that, but I've never been big into New Year's celebrations because my core memory of um, New Year's is behind bars, literally, because we were allowed a smoking break and we would go into the smoking area, which was barred up and our fence out the back, we had a trampoline, um, had barbed wire. So it was literally behind bars listening to people partying and we were locked up and Christmas morning, you know, I didn't wake up at home with my family, with Santa, um, I woke up with, I guess, other victims, victims of abuse, victims of the system. There was a girl in there who was a 12-year-old prostitute. There were drug addicts. There was so much going on in there um, and there was so much prior to me going going there. But, yeah, it was – it's a huge, huge part of my life. I was only in there for three weeks and five days. I say only, um, the longest three weeks and five days of my life. But – it did shape a lot of who I was and Christmas morning, the the people who worked for Windsor, that's what we called it. I don't officially know what it was called, but it was in Melbourne in Windsor and that's what we called it. Um, they had organised for us to have gifts uh, on Christmas morning. So sponsors like The Body Shop and Mitch Dowd had provided us with presents on Christmas morning. And my mum was really angry because she felt like you don't reward bad behaviour, which was really sad because we weren't bad kids. We'd been abused. We were victims of so many things and we deserved love and we deserve to be reminded of our worth on that Christmas morning. And that has stuck with me throughout. Now I'm 42 and now I create care packs for women in crisis and I donate care packs to women in crisis that remind them of their worth regardless of their situation. And and one of the organisations we're looking to work with is with women returning to society after incarceration. I think it's so, so important. Uh, And that was a massive, massive turning point for me in my life and stuck with me enough that, yeah, it's, it's influenced me creating my own care packs for women in crisis. So, yeah. Okay. Do your kids listen to the podcast? Um, Kalani doesn't. She's nine, 10 soon. She'll tell you she's 10. I'm 10 soon. I'm a big girl. Um, no, she doesn't. And would she be able to? No, this is an M15 plus. This is an R triple X, X, X. It's beyond rating this podcast. So no. Kaya, Kaya, she's too busy gaming. I don't think she's really yeah, she's not on social media. She doesn't listen to podcasts, so she wouldn't. But Shay did, my eldest, who's 24 in September, she did. And we were on <laughs> we were on FaceTime and her partner yells out in the background, oh, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. And I was like, no, 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 sir, you cannot listen to the podcast. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because I'm basically your mother-in-law and there's things that I confess on this podcast. You cannot know, sir. You do not need to know these things about your partner's mum. 
Like, no, I have to look you in the eye and I will not be able to if you listen. And they're laughing and they're like, we're going to listen. And I said to Shay, take me to another room right now. I said, you can't, you can't. And she's like, why? And I said, I don't want you to listen to it either. And she's like, why, mum? And I'm like, I talk about your father and I having a threesome and sex and things like that. And she's like, oh, it's fine, mum. I walked in on you once when I was, oh my God, child, please. Anyway, she listened to the episode six with Bianca, which, wow, wasn't that, that, that was quite the confessional. Um, I think that was the episode I came out on, uh, which again, as we're discovering, everyone else knew my, um, my queerness before I did. And Shay just said to me, yeah, look, not surprised, always wondering when you were going to leave dad for a woman. So that's great. But she listened to it and she was like, mum, it was so good. It was so great. I feel like it's stuff that you and I have talked about anyway. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we have. We have really open conversations and sex has never been a taboo topic with my kids. Um, and, uh, you know, sexuality hasn't either. Uh, I've encouraged them to explore all genders to from quite a young age with <clears throat> regards to their vagina. I would give them a mirror. I'm like, go in private, have a look, get to know your vagina, squat over the top of it, make sure you know what it looks like, make sure your hands are clean, always wash your hands. Um, touch it, do whatever you want to do to it. Ask me any questions. It's normal for things to feel good. Don't let, you know, learn what you like before you're with someone else. So I guess she wasn't that shocked, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We've got very open communication and I know that they can come to me with anything. Um, Shay does. Kaya's a little bit more of a closed book, but, um, yeah, she's still exploring her sexuality. So yeah, it's definitely something we can talk about and, I guess if they're old enough, it's a really good podcast to listen to and good for mum and daughters to listen to because you can have those conversations together, especially around masturbation. I don't think we talk about that enough with our kids. And with the episode, the most uh, episode eight with the Bodzilla, where we talk about me masturbating at quite a young age um, on a sick day home from school and uh, April not masturbating until she was 29, I had so many DMs coming in from women saying that they didn't masturbate either or they did with this great feeling of guilt and shame either because they were brought up religiously to believe that, you know, pleasure was sinful um, or just that it had never been talked about and they felt dirty doing it. And we don't want that on our children, male or female. We don't want our children to feel shame from pleasure, but particularly girls. There's no shame in pleasuring yourself or receiving pleasure and the importance of pleasure needs to be drilled in and consent needs to be drilled in at age-appropriate time. Um, because I know that whilst, yes, I, I knew how to please myself from a young age, for me, sex was very much about pleasing my partner. Uh, and I didn't realize that it could be mutually pleasurable. I knew I could please myself, but I didn't realize that, you know, it could be mutually ple pleasurable. So yeah, Shay listens. <laughs> oh, do you think woke women stay single longer or forever because they're considered too hard basket for many men who often want easygoing partners? <laughs> I think that was a man that wrote this. A man or someone with internalized misogyny. Oh, look, no, I don't think women are staying single for longer or forever um, because men find them less palatable. I think women are staying single longer or forever because they're now realizing that their worth and fulfillment is not based upon being married or finding happiness with the man. 
and I'm talking about heterosexual relationships here because that's what the question was pertaining to Um, and look, the answers I'm giving are, are, yeah, relative to hetero relationships. Also, easygoing, is that code for obedient? Um, An easygoing woman, men will describe an easygoing woman, I guess, as someone that, you know, doesn't have opinions, being a good little wifey and staying home, staying quiet. Oh, look, I personally would take someone being loud and proud and fighting injustice in the world over easygoing any day. Um, men want easygoing because it means that they can continue to do what they've always done, treat women like shit and likely hurt and abuse them. I mean, statistically speaking, that's the case. So, um, no, I, again, with the woke though, woke women, yeah, so women being aware of sexism and racism and the injustices upon them it doesn't appeal to men probably not because it means that they can't control and abuse them um or be aware of their own misogynistic ways so hmm, interesting very interesting but no I think women are remaining single and childless because they've um they're learning that the benefit of marriage yeah well I mean to be to be fair you'll see the jokes all the time, you know, men calling their wife the old ball and chain, talk of getting engaged and married, you know, with a roll of the eyes as though they're doing her a favour when majority of the time marriage benefits men a lot and doesn't really benefit women at all. You know, there's women take on most of the unpaid labour, the child rearing, they're called the boss or the slave driver for requesting the absolute bare minimum from a partner, which is to be a parent to the children you helped create and clean up after yourself. So, yeah, I mm, I think we're expecting – women are expecting a lot more for themselves and men don't like it. So, yeah. Um, have you ever cried during a movie? I'm not much of a crier and, you know, I don't say that proudly. I think it's – I've cried a lot and I've talked a lot – about my trauma and dealt with a lot of trauma. I've cried a lot of it out, which is really, really important part of healing. We think of healing as um, when I heal, I'm going to feel free. I'm going to feel light. I'm going to feel this, that, and the other. But when you're healing, it gets worse before it gets better because you really have to pull the curtain back on a lot of your trauma and face a lot of things. Um, So I've done a lot of crying and I used to cry at the drop of a hat. And I guess I... I don't cry that much anymore. When I when my adrenaline's fight, when I'm angry, I cry, which really frustrates me. Like I'll get angry about something and I'll start shaking my adrenaline will go and then I'll cry and I'm like, oh, I'm angry, I'm not sad. Um, but do I cry in movies? Yes. Sad music, yes. Um, hearing stories of abuse or death of children, I'm an absolute wreck. Um, the movie that I cried the most watching is Ghost. I will cry every time without fail watching that movie. I did not cry in The Notebook. What does that make me, a psychopath? I did not cry in The Notebook. Great movie, great movie, but didn't cry. But Ghost, I cried. Um, My Girl, When the Bee Stings and He Dies. Yeah, I cried in that as well. Yeah, no. But no, I'm not not much of a crier. Um, My One of my best girlfriends, um, I was out the front of the gym. I hadn't come in and she's like, oh my God, you're crying. What the fuck? Cancel everything. Something's wrong. Like if Ness is crying, something's really, really wrong. And um, Kalani was going through her anxiety and it was just absolutely breaking my heart seeing her. And she's still going through it, but it was at the peak of it where she 
you know, tried to throw herself out the car while it was moving because she was so anxious she couldn't bear the feeling and I couldn't fix it and it was just the worst feeling in the world and I could not stop crying. Um, But that's an example that my friends know that if I'm crying, I'm like something's not okay unless it's the day before my period. If it's the day before my period, I will question my entire existence. I will threaten to run away, live in a forest with my family, and then I'll wake up bleeding and I'll take it all back and I'm happy again. So day before period, yes, I'll cry. Um, and otherwise it has to be something pretty, pretty full on for me to cry. So yeah, I think that's all the questions we've got. All right. So, you know, I'll, I'll end it there guys. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened, rated, reviewed. The DMs have been amazing. I feel like you guys are such friends, like it's such a community And the messages I've received of how seen you feel with the topics that we're discussing, like even the putting a tampon in after sex to soak up the semen, um, just things like that where people are like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. What a great idea. No more balled up tissue in your vulva. Um, You know, and I can't wait to bring you season two. We have so many exciting topics. And like I said, if you thought this season was great, like honestly, buckle in because we are going to bring you so much more. And um, please keep the DMs coming while we're bringing that to you. Let me know what you want to talk about. Uh, Let me know your experiences. Share your so unladylike stories. Keep the questions coming. I won't get offended by any of them, except I know what you did. I do want to know what you know that I did. I know that you know that I know that you know. I want to know what I did. I really want to know what I did. So you have to, you know, and if you want to, if you message the So Unlady like you'll get the producer. So if you still want to remain anonymous, do that. That's fine. Or if you don't want to remain anonymous, visit me at uh, Journey to Worthy Official on Instagram and have at me. Let's have at me. I don't, I don't mind. I might call you an internalized misogynist, but that's okay. We'll do it. We'll manage. Um, But all your messages of love and support have been amazing. Just know that I feel the same for you guys. Inbox is always open. Love our chats. Love our advice sessions. It's like um, girlfriends and sisters just, you know, sitting around. And I know that's how you feel about this podcast. So stay tuned. More episodes coming. Thank you so much for making this first season such an epic success with national national media. Uh, We made the Apple podcast charts. It's been phenomenal. Um, Sunnydale Studios, who produce it, are an amazing team and they're just as excited as I am to bring you season two. So um, stay dirty, have sex, masturbate lots. Um, Let me know uh, if you shit in a Gatorade bottle or handbag or piss in a nappy, please, please DM me. Anything unladylike that happens between now and season two, you have to, that's a rule, you have to inbox me. I need to know and I need to be able to read it on air. I will keep you anonymous, I promise. But until season two, love you bitches. Bye. If you love this episode, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and rate us five stars. Join us on Instagram at So Unladylike Pod and Journey to Worthy Official and keep sending in your questions, confessions, and opinions. You guys are so unladylike and we are here for it. See you next week, bitches. <laughs>